Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. Then let's go. I have no idea what it meant, but some guys kind of got excited when I said it. Bill's Mafia. What is up? Thank you for choosing to tune in to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and... Another Bills victory, playoff spot secured. We're going into the playoffs no less than a seven seed, but most likely looking at that four seed as we will beat up on the Jets this week. And I have no doubt that we're losing the Jets. I don't even have any anxiety about it. I did have some level of anxiety about this Atlanta game. And for a minute there, it looked like things were not going to go our way. I was, I was getting a little antsy as we went into halftime with the loss, but the game started out really well it felt like josh was able to do whatever he wanted it felt like you know third down third and long boom there's another first down over the middle and that feeling went away pretty quick uh josh did not have a great day now i know we can say that looked like cole beasley maybe stopped running on a route and there was an interception that maybe was his fault and another tip ball but he also had a drop touchdown in the end zone he put a little bit too much mustard on it for digs he also chipped in heavily on the ground i think he had 81 yards and two touchdowns, but how about that run game? How about that run game? Singletary, this this may be Josh's first time with a 100-yard rusher as a running back in the backfield. I'm not sure about that, but I believe that's true. 100 yards on the ground for motor and two touchdowns. I've been singing his praises all year long, and I'm so excited that we finally start seeing <laughs> that he is the number one back. Um, he's going to get paired up with somebody else for the 2022 season. But right now I'm very happy that they're counting on him because he is, has been the better runner all year long. I'm betting very heavily that we're going into this playoff run as the four seed. It's possible we can move up to three. I don't think it's likely we get up to two. There's too many other things that need to happen. I'm not seeing Kansas City lose another one. I think we we have a good shot to move to three. And for that to happen, we need Cleveland to beat Cincinnati, which is doable. I know Cleveland is pretty much out of the playoff race, but there's still a team that's got some danger to them. And I, I think they're capable of beating Cincinnati. We'll have to see how it goes, but most likely I think we're going to match up four against the five seed, which would be New England, because I think New England's going to beat the Miami Dolphins. And I love that matchup so much. I hope nothing changes, honestly. I want that matchup. We get it at home. We get Mac Jones. I know they just beat up really heavy and put a 50-burger on the Jaguars. And I know we can talk about all the storylines about how we did not show up against the Jaguars. Blah, 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 blah. Don't care. Don't care. Give me Mac Jones in a playoff game in our house all week long. Uh, This is just not going to go the same as the first matchup in Buffalo. It's not going to be a windstorm. And even if there is, they really shouldn't have won that game. So um, bring that on. I'm super excited about that. We have a, a few other thoughts on the game. I thought the defensive line showed up. We often do against subpar offensive lines, and we kind of disappear a little bit against the better offensive lines. But we did a great job. We made Matt Ryan feel our presence. And, you know, Matt Ryan, he had a better day than Josh, but... Didn't have a great day. Just 13 out of 23 for 195 yards. Uh, Josh, 11 out of 26, 120 yards. And, of course, he did have those three TDs. But Josh, he's just such a force on the ground. Uh, 15 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. It's just like once he gets ahead of steam going, he's he's harder to tackle than uh, Derrick Henry, I think. So um, I love how we got into Matt Ryan's head. And I've been saying this all year long. I hate the taunting call so much. I hate it. I hate it. It's inconsistent. It's arbitrary. And it's 
basically there's nobody holding the refs accountable for when they call it or when they don't call it. We had Stefan Diggs go into the stands and curse out fans. Now, of course, he's not doing that to other players. We've seen Cam go to the middle of the field. We've seen, you know, it's just some spiteful spiking of the football. And, you know, we've had refs make up look. Oh, I didn't like the way he looked at the other sideline. Throw a flag for that. Which is why I want the Bills to clean that up. It's not really hurt us, but it can. And um, I'm a little disappointed that we're still doing some of those things. But we got to Matt Ryan thought he scored. What a series of events that was. He ran for the ball uh, near the goal line, came down about a yard short, gets up, spikes the football, talks trash, and gets flagged for a Tawny call. Turns out it wasn't a touchdown. They were initially going to enforce that on the kickoff, but it's not a touchdown. So they... <laughs> they didn't score, and they had to end up going uh, uh, to a more difficult situation. I think that maybe made it third and long or so. But um, yeah, that, that's why we we got to clean that up. We can't have even the little things we don't. We got to clean that up. It, it can just come out at any time. It's inconsistent. I don't agree with that call on Matt Ryan there. I don't think he should take off all of the emotion out of the game, but. You know, it is what it is. I think the Bills got another call earlier in the game where toe drag swag, Mr. Grabriel Davis. You know, there's a lot of debate on Bills Twitter of if that's a catch. I don't think it's a catch. I think he bobbled it. Then he caught it and only got one foot down. That second foot did not come down. I thought it was a weak call. I thought it was a wasted challenge. Sean McDermott challenged it and I, they overturned it. Now, I don't think that's right. I still, after looking at the replay, I don't think that's a catch, but who knows, whatever, right? Because everything's just so arbitrary all the time. It seems like, especially when it comes to the catch rule, but uh, we got away with one there because we've had so many to go against us. It feels like we, it feels good to get a couple that go our way. Um, But overall, there was some doubt to me in this game because we've seen them lay eggs all year long. And when they were losing it, I felt like we were still ready to get going and get our stuff together, as I keep saying. But I still felt like this was a closer game than what it deserved to be. We didn't cover the split. It was 14 and a half point spread. Bills didn't cover. Not that that ever matters. I mean, who really cares unless you're a gambler? But, um, you know, not showing up in some of the easier games this year. We still ended up beating them 29 to 15. By the way, Justin, because I know you're listening, Gregory Russo did get a sack yesterday. And what does that mean? That means he needs just eight more next week to tie my preseason projection. So that's completely doable, right? Matt Hawk wasn't needed for the second straight week. Uh, Some of the interceptions, I think, had something to do with that. But, you know, we made all this big deal about letting Corey B go and, you know, bringing in this kicker that didn't seem to have a strong leg in that we don't need him. And, of course, we used the punter so infrequently last year. Um, still, I think I'd still rather like to have Corey B back. Uh, Marquez Stevenson, yuck. What an ugly game for him. Running into his own guys seemingly in every kick return. Um, he was responsible for the safety to start the game with the fumble on the punt. And we know that taking punts in college wasn't really his gig. It was more of a kick returner. And I was not opposed to giving him an opportunity to get some experience doing it. If we were going to shake it up, we were going to shake it up. We've heard about how McKenzie's a shaky ball handler. And I do think Stevenson has got similar traits to McKenzie. And I don't even mind him taking kicks. Even if he had a bad day, it seemed like he ran into his blockers on every single kick return. I don't have a good excuse for that. It's like he was running right toward them sometimes. Uh, Not the best day for him. Not the best day for vision. Not the best day for decision-making. But you know what? He's going to get another shot. He's going to get another shot because if we want McKenzie to transition to more of an involvement with the offense, maybe we should be taking some things off his plate and giving them to Stevenson. And despite it being just a terrible day. He's going to get another shot. But I don't like that we're going into the playoffs. Playoff run right now, you know, where basically every game is still kind of the playoffs for us. I know we've clinched and we can lose to the Jets, but for all intents and purposes, we're in a playoff run. Every game counts. And we don't know who our kick and punt return duties are right now. There's some question there. 
that's why I think Stevenson's going to get another shot probably next week against the Jets. You know, maybe they changed back to McKenzie going after that, depending on how they feel. But um, that's not good because that is such a big part of the game. Kick and punt returns are a big part of the game. And I know Jay Spence and I had a conversation a few weeks back. You know, he's okay with just catching punts and catching, uh, you know, taking a knee on the kick returns. Kind of agree with him on kick returns because the percentage of times you run the ball back past the 25 is so low. I don't, I mean, sure it happens and McKenzie's even had a few of them this year, but it's just so much safer and easier to get the ball 25, just take a knee because the vast majority of returns go to the 18, the 20, the 22, the 23, just take the ball to 25. You don't have to worry about fumbles or anything like that. Start this, start your offensive series. That's decent field position, you know, for starting at 25 and you know, I, I disagree on punts. I want a good punt returner. I hope Stevenson can turn into that guy. He certainly has the traits. But the lack of experience, I think, is showing right now. He was responsible for that fumble and that safety to start the game. I believe that was on her first possession. So shame on him there, but he's going to keep getting looks. This isn't the end of Stevenson. Like I said, we're trying to get, or we seem to be wanting to get Isaiah McKenzie more involved with the offense. I know last week was more of a COVID situation, but we gave Stevenson the opportunity to come back and take these kicks for a reason. And I'm not quite so trigger happy and eager to run him out the door. He's going to get another look. He's going to get chances to return those kicks and punts against the Jets, I believe. But still, going into the playoffs right now, not a good place to be with questions about the kick and punt returners. They are such a big part of the game. And, you know, like I said, if we're just getting punt catchers, if we're going to have Micah Hyde back there and just catch punts and make the decision to fair catch it, we're giving up a lot of yards. We're giving up, you know, six, 12 yards in every punt return. And you know, that's the difference of being in field pole position in some cases. So I, I'm not on board with not returning punts. I just, I wish that, we didn't have so many questions right there right now. But overall, as I said, I did have a little concern about this game and it poked its ugly head out and we got to win. We got to win when things were not going our way. We sealed the fate for the postseason. Of course, we're going to win this week. I believe the Patriots are going to win this coming week as well which would make us the four and five matchups. Now there's another scenario in play where if Cleveland somehow beats Cincinnati, we could move up a spot. Um, I'm kind of hoping it stays the same. Like I said, I want to face the Patriots again. One more thing I want to talk about before I get us into real or silly is Antonio Brown. I know, but I don't think he's doing a very good. I'd quit. I mean, you know, I mean, like, like if you've been working out for, for, like four days, and that's all you get, and the going gets tough. If it's that tough, just quit. Wow. We really <laughs> we lucked out by not getting that trade to go through, didn't we? And, you know, goes to the Raiders, the whole saga with his helmet, and asking to be released, and then that silly little video he posted after the Raiders cut him, where he's running around going, I'm free, I'm free. with You know, it's just... Some people think there's some mental illness involved there, and that's not something I'm qualified to talk about. But I, I think he's just, you know, I think sometimes you just grow up that way and you have that personality. And, you know, maybe he needs help, and I hope that he gets the help he needs. But the way he exited the game, you know, for the Bucks this past, after, by the way, losing to the Jets badly, they were going to put him back in. The story this morning was that they wanted to put him back in and he basically refused and took off all of his stuff, his shirt, and threw at the fans and ran out the, the tunnel. That's not normal. You know, that's out vaunting Vontae Davis. And I don't know. There's a lot of incentives on the table for him to go into the game. I just... I guess I'm not smart enough to understand some of the uh, weirdos that we have in the world today, and they seem to be multiplying. But if he needs help, I hope he certainly gets the help he needs. But certainly not a good look for a guy that already has a questionable reputation and a history of doing odd things. Um, but I have 
Real or Silly with Justin Goddard this week, as I do every single week, and I always love talking to Justin. He is one of my favorite people on this network. And first time in the Mafia hot seat this week, Hansel. You know him from Process on Tap with one of my other favorite people, Jeremy, now back of the herd. Uh, so I'm excited to have him on for the first time. And without further ado, let's get you over to Real or Silly. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, is it real or is it silly? Silly, adjective, laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the week again, where I'm joined by Justin Goddard over from the Wandering Buffalo to do his weekly segment, Real or Silly. Justin, how are you this week? I'm great, man. I'm I'm feeling real silly today. I'm uh, busting out of my quarantine here. I'm about to be released back into the world, so I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, still not excited to go back to work after being away for like 10 days, but... Glad to be clean bill of health and be able to get back out in the world. Well, you sound much better. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad to have you back at full strength. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you trooping up for me that last week. You know, uh, I didn't really expect that, but I'm glad that you made the effort. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, man. I told you uh, a few weeks ago now that we had limited time left in the season and I wasn't going to miss one. So sometimes you got to soldier through, you know? <clears throat> soldiering through just like our buffalo bills hey. trying to get through the last part of this schedule i'm excited for it man i know I, I hope they don't let us down because i am going to be inconsolable if we somehow blow this i'm not going to be i'm not going to take it very easy i'm probably going to be hard to deal with justin i completely agree because i feel the same way um and i think it's really that jacksonville game just still sitting with me that I can look at these last two games and be like, oh, we should have it, no problem. And then Jacksonville flares up in my head again. Um, <clears throat> I think I think the positive thing about this, the Falcons game coming up is that's not a team that's like dead in the water and uh, easy team to look past and whatnot. Like despite all the flaws that team has, they're still they still have an outside shot of making the playoffs. So I, I think it's a game that both teams are going to have to come prepared for. Yeah. I mean, we know they can let us down every week is as high as we feel right now. We've seen this before, right? We beat Kansas city. We were so high on beating Kansas city. We're like, we are Kings of the world. You can't stop us. And then we got stopped. Yep. <laughs> well, let's, let's hope that surprisingly, the offensive line this past week looked good. I don't even want to, I want to give them more credit than okay. I think they were pretty good. You know, they, they still weren't great in, in run blocking, but Josh had time to operate. Yeah. I was very pleased with the offensive line this week. And I was kind of like watching the whole game, like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like wasn't really, I was expecting Judon to really give us trouble. And you know, that, Patriots defense is no joke and yeah, they're, they still have their flaws. Well, I don't think they'll ever be a great run blocking unit. Um, I think they still benefit from uh, Josh Allen making some people miss and whatnot that makes them look a little bit better, but it was a game where, you know, for how poorly it could have gone, we already shuffling the deck and then losing pieces during the game and having to adjust on the fly, all things considered, they were, I agree with you better than okay. Cause you gotta, you gotta put a little extra context to it. And I, they were really good in my opinion. For as big as the game was, 
as visible as this game was, as big of a spot, as much as it meant against that opponent and that defensive line, you couldn't ask for much more. Like I, they weren't perfect for sure, but I don't, I don't have a lot of criticism for them other than, you know, that's I'll take it. I'll take that every week. Yeah. If that, if that were to be the new baseline shit, I would take that going into next year. Um, But I'm not, I'm not comfortable believing that that's the new baseline. No, no, no. Me neither. I, I completely expect us to regress to the mean going there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get started. You know the drill. We got the three questions here, Justin. And the first question, question number one, we saw Isaiah McKenzie get a ton of work this week, basically because of COVID. Cole Beasley's being out, Gabe Davis being out. He got kind of put into the starting lineup. Now he's no stranger to this offense. He's been around for a while, but I don't think any of us were expecting that. Justin Goddard, is Cole Beasley back next year? Ooh. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to say silly here and it's kind of hard for me because I I've been a really huge Cole Beasley fan and I think he's the type of like really reliable, consistent player um, that can really, can really spark the offense when it needs it. Um, But what I will say is kind of last year, it seemed like pretty much every game he was good for somewhere between, you know, six and 10 catches and he was affecting the game every game. Um, this year it seems a little bit more and yeah, there's some injuries sprinkled in there and whatnot. Um, but he seems like he's been a little bit more boom or bust this year. Um, and I, I do think that the age is catching up to him a little bit and he's, he's lost like a half step. Um, so I think, I think the organization was kind of already moving towards needing to look at replacing receivers. Um, namely being Emmanuel Sanders and Beasley. Um, and I think I think this could be a situation where they decide to move on from Beasley and bring in somebody similar. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a plan where we just replace Beasley with McKenzie. I think they like having McKenzie in that jack-of-all-trades role and, and still having somebody that's more of the, the steady slot guy, I guess. Um, and if we were to lose Cole Beasley, I'll, I'll throw a name out there for you. And I don't know what the money's going to end up looking like and whatnot, but give me some Hunter Renfro. I like it. Uh, I might even say Jamison Crowder, but I don't know. Here's what I think. I, I reserved a right to change my opinion <laughs> over the course of the off season and training camp, but Beasley is still a great slot player. He's a tough player. We know last year he played on a broken leg. We know that he's playing this year with some sore ribs or broken ribs. I don't know what he's got rib issues of some sort, but he's also not the same player. I think he's taken a little bit of a step back. And I think when you see him this year, what he's known for and what makes him pop to many Bills fans that are watching him every week is his ability to get open on those routes and shake his defender and just make the routes look so pretty. I think it's just a little different this year. That could be injuries. Sure. Could be age. Sure. Could be combination of both, but we're going into next off season with another COVID salary cap. And yes, we have Beasley under contract for another year, but we could also save a lot of money by cutting him. And if McKenzie takes that role, He's going to be more McKenzie's going to be more expensive than he is this year, but he's still going to be cheaper than Beasley. So I do think there's a reasonable, I think it's a reasonable question. And I'm going to agree with you. I, I think Beasley's probably gone. It's none of that drama about his tweets and all the COVID stuff that he likes to be an idiot about. I think that is a contributing factor, but that's not the reason why, but you know, availability matters. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing too, that, kind of lends itself to me thinking he'll be gone as even if we're not looking at bringing in uh, a replacement for him and doing it with the current roster. Um, I think you have a guy in Stevenson who you don't really know what he is as a, as a receiver yet. Um, but they have, 
we all know how Bean loves his his draft picks, and they do have an investment there. Um, but also, I think the evolution of Dawson Knox, when you're looking at you know that consistent um, third and short guy that you can go to that that just moves the chains, and that's that's what Cole Beasley was when we didn't really have a tight end, and Knox is kind of emerging as that that second and third and short um, situational kind of guy. Um, so what I think, I think that creates a really interesting set of options when you start looking at the slot receiver on, well, can we bring in some more speed here? Can we bring in a bigger body? Can we get a, a different type of receiver other than, you know, having one, two, three Diggs, Sanders and Beasley, and all three of them are just route technicians. Maybe we can use that third guy uh, as more of just a straight speed guy. Um, maybe it is McKenzie and can run some seam routes, things like that. So I, I think the emergence of Dawson Knox has also opened up a lot of options there. Uh, that's a great point. And I think it's right. I mean, I think there was even a lot of conversation earlier this year about why we weren't seeing Beasley. We were seeing more Knox. So you, you're, that's a good point. You're, you're probably right. Uh, I, I guess I feel comfortable with that. I, I'm not mad. Like I, I don't hate Beasley. I just, I think it's worth discussing and looking at especially when you start considering we got to pay Isaiah McKenzie. We got to pay Levi Wallace. We still have other holes we want to fill. We only have so many draft picks. So I think it's a hard conversation. We had the same conversation this past offseason with John Brown. Many people thought he was safe. So I think it is at least worth a conversation at this point. I, I don't think he's back. Yeah, I think I think when you're starting to look at um, largely due to the COVID salary caps, I think there's there's going to be a lot of talk this off season again about how difficult decisions need to be made. And I just think, you know, I don't want to ride too high on McKenzie right now because, you know, I have this, this recency bias of him having an absolute bananas game. Um, but I, I think in other situations in the past where we've seen him get a little bit more work, um, he, he's shown the ability to do it. And I just kind of look at, I look at the fact that Josh Allen taking the step forward as a quarterback being more, you know, his first couple of years we were bringing in solid veteran receivers to make him better. And now he's evolved to the point where he's making his receivers better. Um, So I don't think you necessarily have to have those older savvy veterans that you have to pay more to, to bring in. I think there's some young talent in this, in our pipeline here I think it's time to kind of see what what we have in them and kind of let Josh Allen make them better players. I like your point about racist bias because I, I I'm not completely blind to that idea either. Like, but I do think as a number five receiver, McKenzie has seen a lot more work than maybe what your number five would typically see, you know, because he does the jet sweeps and he's on the field a little bit more than what a number five would on many other teams. So it's not like we're, it's coming completely out of left field and we have no body of work to judge it against. Is this last week, probably a little bit of an outlier. Yeah. I, I think that's probably an outlier because that's a pretty good game for a slot receiver, but I'm, I still think that I, I still, I still, I, I still think he's the slot guy next year is what I want to say. Yeah. I think, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting one to, to follow as we get into the next off season. Okay, on to question number two. Josh, we know last year Josh Allen set the single-season career passing touchdown mark for the Bills with 37 in a 16-game schedule. Right now, we are at game 15. Josh is sitting at 34 touchdowns. We have this coming week the Atlanta Falcons. Real or silly, Josh is going to get three passing touchdowns to tie his mark this week in a 16 game schedule. Uh, I'm going to say that's that one's it's gotta be passing. I'm going to say it's real. And I think he, I think I'll even go a step further and say he adds another one on the ground. Um, But yeah, I think he gets that mark. I think he has three passing touchdowns this week. Um, I think, my my prediction for this game was right on that number um, with four total touchdowns, the bills scoring 28 in this game. Um, I'm just kind of, 
you know, as I was going through and looking at some of some of the Atlanta roster for our pre-show, um, granted they're not a team that I follow nearly as much. Um, but what I what I found for myself looking at the roster is, you know, even if there's teams that I don't follow as much, I can still look through and, you know, being a casual fan, you you can pick out the, you know, household names of guys that you're like, oh, we got to watch out for them. We got to watch out for this guy. And no disrespect to any players on Atlanta, but looking through the roster, there's there's really nobody on that roster that really on their on the defensive side of the ball that gives me any sort of fits or any sort of belief that they're going to be slowing down Josh Allen. I think on most other teams in the league, if I'm trying to make a prediction like this and I size up the other team and I, and I'm not scared of their defense at all, I might go on the under, right? Because you can say, you can say, well, we're going to run the ball more. Well, the bills can't do that. Not really. Not without Josh. Well, and I don't think this is, we're not the type of team to take our foot off the gas. I don't think, I think we saw it against Carolina where we put up an extra touchdown. We really didn't need to. The game was for all intents and purposes over. Um, you know, I think that we're going to try to put up some points and it's like Matt, not Madden style, but maybe tech football style or whatever, where you're, you're just trying to run up the score a little bit. And I feel like this game has that kind of potential. So I agree with you. Yeah. I, I also felt like this game initially, I, I was thinking that this might be like some sort of monster game that we have before we head into the postseason. Um, but but looking, looking at Atlanta's record and where they, they currently sit at ninth in the NFC, um, but they're really only like a game back out of the player playoff picture right now for as chaotic as that as organization is right now. Um, so I, I do think that this is going to be kind of we're going to see Atlanta with with their swan song here just back to the wall, really swinging and trying to make something happen to keep their hopes alive. Um, so I got this one closer than I, I would have initially expected. As much as I love now, this is a weird thing to say because I, it's been ingrained in me since a very young Vince to hate every team that plays in Boston. I hate the Patriots. I hate the Red Sox. I hate Boston college but I can't help but have a little bit of love for Matt Ryan. And I don't like that. Um, so I'm, I'm not rooting against him. I like Matt Ryan, but I, I don't think he's the same as what he used to be. His numbers are way down. He's not having a great year. There's not a lot of stuff there that scares me a little bit. Um, I don't think this is going to be a particularly close game. Yeah. I, I think Matt Ryan still has a little bit left in the tank. I think, I think it was Atlanta's number one mistake this year of not not trying to flip him for something at the beginning of this year and just go full rebuild. Because um, I do th- still think that he has the talent to win games. You just need to surround him with more talent. And I think the situation in Atlanta right now, I mean, granted, um, Kelvin Ridley deciding he, he needed to take some time away from the game um, you can never really plan for that. But I mean, when you start looking at who he's throwing the ball to outside of Calvin Ridley, you know, it's, it's not really marquee guys. So I don't, I don't think they did themselves any favors deciding to roll another year with Matt Ryan. And I don't think they did Matt Ryan too many favors with, with the talent that they surrounded him with. Okay. On to question number three. I like this one, Justin Goddard, because, you know, just after two seasons, not even two full seasons yet at this, at this point, mind you, but one plus season is a way I should say it. Stefan Diggs is already 15th in Bill's history for career receiving yards. Let me say that again. Stefan Diggs, after one season plus, is already 15th in career receiving yardage for the bills. That's a long history since 1960. That's also an indictment on half of this franchise for having terrible passing game, but he needs 172 yards to tie Glenn Bass and move up five spots to number 13. Justin Goddard, he's going to get that done in these next two games. 
so I'm going to whew, I'm going to say that silly. Um, as much as I want to say it's real and and I'd be super psyched if it happened. Like you said, it's kind of just crazy for how long this team's history is that somebody can come in in two years and be sniffing the top 15 of anything. Um, I misspoke. He's actually 18 in receiving yards. Okay. Yeah. 18 and 172 puts him up to 13. Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, Yeah. I, I would love to see it, but I, I do think to a certain extent looking at these last two, two games of the season, um, as you said before, I don't think this team is really one to take their their foot off the pedal. Um, but I think there is a chance, maybe not necessarily against the Falcons, um, but in the last week against the Jets, I think there is a chance that we see maybe only like a half out of some of these some of these starters. Um, it's really going to depend on on how the how the Jets are feeling as a football as a football team come the end of the season, you know, are they just waiting to clean out their lockers or are they, you know, playing, playing to put some, some film on tape. But I think, I think most likely we're going to go into that jets game and beat up on them pretty early. And we don't see like a second half out of Stefan Diggs. So I think we're talking maybe like six quarters for him to get those yards. And I think that's a little bit of a long shot. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it might be different if the number was a sexy number, like moving up to 10, maybe. Probably not, but I I don't know if that matters or not. But um, yeah, the Jets being the 17th game of the year is, I don't want to say we're going to take our foot off the pedal, but we're probably going to take our foot off the pedal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really like saying that, but uh, it's the Jets. And you might be right. It might be Chabitsky time. It might be, you know, kind of the days of the old Peyton Manning and, you know, taking, you know, halves of games off. We could be in that situation with the Jets and uh, that would keep him short. But I bet he gets, I bet he moves up a few spots. I bet he gets, in the next six quarters, I'll give him 80 or 90 yards. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, you know, sometimes when we say something silly on this show, it feels like it has, you know, this like, like I, for this one saying silly, I feel like I'm like giving a negative connotation to Diggs. And I think it's quite the contrary of really just like what he's already been able to do in two years has been so impressive. Like, I think he's going to scratch and get close to that 172 yards. Um, but that, it's a pretty significant amount of, of yards for, you know, there being a a slim chance that the jets game is kind of meaningless. Yeah. Especially since, you know, he does get an extra game in his second year, but I mean, a a quick look through all of the names ahead of him and, you know, the James Lofton had three years with the team. That's the only guy ahead of them that's got three years. Everybody else has got four or more years on the list. So it is a different era, but it's still very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also um, speaks some volumes to some of the quarterback play we had over a lot of those years um, that you, you've had all these guys for that were on the team for three, four, five years. And, and now we got Allen and Diggs, and we're, just cruising up franchise lists in, in two years. Okay. All right. Justin Goddard is fully, fully, fully recovered. Do you have anything for me, Justin? No, I think that's all for this week or just uh, getting a little sad that we're running out of games that we get to work together on. Yeah. Uh, I, I do enjoy talking to you every week, but I'm, I'm ready to take a break. I'm ready to take a break. I got to focus on other things, but I'm still around. So man, you've earned that break. All right. Well, Justin, uh, why don't you plug your socials real quick? Yeah. So uh, you can find me on any social medias at jgods22. Um, as Vince mentioned earlier, I am one half of the wandering Buffalo podcast. Um, you can find my co-host Andrew uh, 
on any social media at two Changs, and you can check out our show. Um, we're also right here on the built in Buffalo network. Uh, we are dropping on Mondays and Thursdays now. Okay. Justin, I appreciate you giving me time every week, my friend. I can't do a good podcast without from good people. So thank you very much. Oh, always glad to join you, Vince. All right. Go Bills. Go Bills. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting shit but running out. Time ticks by Still I try No rest for cross tops in my mind On my own, here we go Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain Proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat A built-in Buffalo production When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right. Bill's Mafia joining me in the Mafia Hasik this week for the very first time is Hansel over from Process on Tap. You know him because he does that great show with Jeremy. And I'm very blessed and honored to have him on the hot seat for the first time. So Hansel, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Jeremy's told me, you know, he's been on this show a few times and, and I've listened to a few of your episodes. I, they're always good. So excited to be on here and thanks for having me. Well, they're always good because I have good guests. So I, <laughs> I, I'm not very good at this. So I use this kind of as a crutch to uh, make the show a little better. So that's what you're here for today, my friend. All right. All right. The, the pressure's on. Yes. That's yeah, it's easy. It's no pressure. It's fun. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, the drill, then I have 10 questions in front of me and there is no other guest this week. You're the only one. So which number would you like? Give me, let's go with four. Four. Okay. This is a non-Bills question, but I like talking about it Okay. because I believe that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. There's probably not a large gap between him and two and three and four, but I think he's still the best one in the NFL, but we don't know if he's coming back next year. So Hansel, is he on another team next year? Ah, boy. Okay. So the good news is, you and I agree right off the bat here. I actually think Aaron Rodgers is the single best quarterback I've ever seen play football. Um, he does things with the ball that I frankly have never seen anybody else do. I'll say one exciting thing, just really quick Bill's point is Josh Allen is starting to make throws that I've only seen Aaron Rodgers make, which is a really exciting thing to see as a Bills fan. When it comes to where Rodgers will be next year, a lot of me wants to say he'll be back in green. If they win a Super Bowl, he's in Green Bay. I, I don't know how he can win a Super Bowl and leave. Um, if they don't, the destination I keep kind of going back to in my head is uh, the 49ers. If I'm if I'm correct, he was a 49ers fan growing up, um, and I think he even tried to force a trade there. Like there was some rumblings that he was trying to do that this off season. Uh, I know that they drafted Trey Lance. I know that they have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think they want to move on from Jimmy G. I think that that's where, you know, Rodgers wants to be. He would have a decent O-line. He has some weapons there. They have a decent defense. Like, it's literally exactly what Rodgers kind of wants and what he's been clamoring for for years in Green Bay. Uh, but, again, if if the Packers win the Super Bowl, he, I, I don't know how you leave Green Bay if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would agree with that. I he just hates the organization so much and he kind of is leaving, you know, a smoking crater behind just with all the criticism he's throwing out and not of all that's relevant. I don't think, I think it's just him being kind of a prick, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's most likely going to have his, his chance to decide where he goes. If anybody wants to create some salary cap space for him, Um. Uh, you know, I, the 49ers are interesting. I guess I hadn't thought about that with Trey Lance. And I, I know they want to move on from Jimmy G, but yeah, certainly there's got to be teams out there. 
the Browns. Like, yep. let's get rid of Baker as quick as we can and see if we can make room for this guy. But it certainly would shake up the AFC. Denver was a destination, I think, in the offseason that a lot of people were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that I'd rather – I like your idea better. Let's keep them in the NFC. In the NFC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are some other, like, obviously interesting. I, the newest one I've heard brought up, and I, I think there's about a 0% chance is Pittsburgh. Um, I, Big Ben's not back, and they have nothing in, at the quarterback position, no plan, honestly. Like, they're not going to have a top pick because they're going to finish, what are they right now, 7, 8, and 1 or something. So they'll probably finish right around 500. That means they're probably going to be in the middle of the draft. They're not going to be able to get whatever quarterback. And I, honestly, I can't tell you a quarterback coming in this draft. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see Pittsburgh. Denver is a possibility. Cleveland, as much as I'm kind of on that boat too, like it seems the Browns just want to get rid of Baker as soon as possible. I, I really can't see Aaron Rodgers in a Browns uniform. I, that would just be it'd be crazy for me to see. And I think that they're going to take Baker and say, Hey, we're going to give him the fifth year option, or maybe they had already picked up the fifth year option. So they have him for one more year. Uh, I don't think they want Baker for the future, but right now that's, that's the best they're going to get. Yeah. Baker's really interesting. Cause I've liked Baker more than most other people. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of coming back to make me look silly right now. But he's he's having such a bad. I don't buy any of the injury stuff you heard. Like I think that's just yeah. them trying to, you know, soften it up a little bit. But I don't know. I, I thought he had played himself into okay. Well, we're not sure about him. Let's give him some kind of smaller bridge deal, you know, until we can figure it out what we want to do. And now I think he's kind of worked himself into. He probably won't even get a contract after that fifth year is over. It, yeah, and and when it comes to like the contract thing too, right? Like a big part of his ability to negotiate is the threat of other teams wanting him. But, you know, we brought up the Broncos, we brought up the 49ers, we brought up all these teams that Aaron Rodgers would instantly make better and who probably want Rodgers. Uh, who wants Baker? Like if Baker leaves Cleveland, I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe Carolina says, hey, we'll, we'll take a run at him. Um, but I, I really don't see any team out there that's going to be super interested in Baker. Actually, I'm just going through the teams right now. One interesting place would be Seattle. It seems like Seattle wants to move Russell Wilson or may move Russell this offseason. So then does, is that a spot for Baker? And then where's Russell go? So what team is Russell going to that then Rodgers isn't going to? Uh, it's going to be a kind of a crazy offseason with quarterbacks moving around, especially because we're if we're talking about, for instance, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, you're talking about two of the best quarterbacks in the league um, and arguably some of the best quarterbacks of all time between the two of them. And then Deshaun Watson, who who knows what's happening with him, if he's ever even going to play football again. It's going to be a really interesting offseason with quarterbacks. Yeah, I have been the president and founder of once you have a franchise quarterback, you never trade that guy. Not uh, ever. But I, yeah. you know, I think I'm backing up a little bit on the Deshaun Watson trade because if I can get a couple of first round picks for him right now, knowing or not knowing what I don't know, Mm-hmm. Maybe I roll the dice and do it because any pick mm-hmm. that I get, any quarterback that I try to find, I'm hoping that they turn into Deshaun Watson and the likely odds of that are small. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then again, you could, you have all the cards. I think Houston does because, okay, don't place it out. You're refusing to play. Your contract is not getting paid out. You need the money clearly. So mm-hmm. you could strong arm your way into that. But if he gets in trouble, you're just kind of hanging on to an asset for nothing. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting one, but you're right. There's going to be a lot of quarterback movement around the NFL. And we haven't even talked about people like Kirk cousins and, you know, you touched on Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. and there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are passable and willing to move. Yeah. Yeah. So these teams, you know, like Pittsburgh, especially they're going to have some options, whether or not those options will make, you know, Pitt- Pittsburgh a, a threat for years to come, especially with the division they're playing in with like Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to go out and get a quarterback that, that can kind of compete in that division over the next few years. But there's so many interesting things this offseason. It actually be, it'll be exciting to, as a Bills fan to watch it happen because we don't care really, right? Like we have our guy. We're, we're not like, even if Aaron Rodgers said, hey, I, I'll come to Buffalo, which he'd, he'd never say that. It's crazy for me to say this at this point in, in my life, but nope, I'm fine. Don't need Aaron Rodgers. I have Josh Allen. Um, and, and that's really fun to say as a Bills fan. But 
the movement's going to be really cool to watch. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's so odd because I think I'm a little older than you Hansel, mm. uh, but you know, I remember the Super Bowl era and I remember Jim Kelly and I remember all of the drought after that. Mm. But there was a time where I'd be like, just give me, give me Kirk Cousins. Give me somebody that's even yeah. approaching decent. And like you just said, like, I don't know if there's anybody that I would trade Josh Allen for. I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Don't mm -hmm. want him. Don't want Mahomes. Don't want Brady. I mean, don't want Russell. I love all those guys. I don't need them. You know, I, I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at. Yeah, and and he he's like the perfect franchise quarterback, not just because of what he does on the field, but it's also off the field. He's got a good personality. He loves the fans. As far as we know, there is no red flags with him, you know, knock on wood. He seems like a good guy. So he's white. If you're, you know, the Pagoulas and you can dream up a quarterback, you dream up a person with those personality traits, and then what he's doing on the field is, is just, I mean, incredible. I, I've said for... Uh, I guess a while now that when Josh is playing at his peak, there is not a single player in the NFL that's better than him. And, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is like, again, the best quarterback in the league, best I've ever seen. But when Josh hits his ceiling and he's, he's a little inconsistent with it, but right now he's on, he's on a complete burner. Um, when he hits that ceiling, he, he just, he's unstoppable. You can't stop him. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to bring that up because I don't think he's hit a ceiling. I think there's still more mental uh, progression for him to go through. And we've yeah. not seen him on a team that's got a great offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. We can talk yeah. about Aaron Rodgers having Aaron Jones. We can talk about, you know, Brady having that great offensive line in New England for all those years. And what he has right now, the weapons around him is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We've not seen that without, he's got digs and he's got receivers. Sure. But, it's largely been on his shoulders. He can't like, it's almost like he can never really take a, a day off. And last year we saw that he dragged this team to the AFC championship mm -hmm. almost on his shoulders. Now he got a Trey or a Teron Johnson interception. There was some help there and that's not completely accurate, but mostly like 90% of that season was Josh. Yeah. Like the Rams game was a perfect example of that. Like he brought them out to this gigantic lead and then kind of the defense started to fold in the second half there. Um, and then Allen just had to, at the end of the game say, all right, I'll just go do it myself. And he did. Um, we saw that this year in the, they didn't win it, but we saw that in the Bucks game, you know, they're getting blown out going into halftime. They come out after half and Josh was just a man possessed and said, I'll just, I'll win the thing my, my damn self. And he, he almost did, which was, was crazy to watch. Yeah. I, Look, he, he's never – I know that there was this big debate. Uh, Stephon Diggs made Josh Allen, which I thought was just a ridiculous thing to say. Um, like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs make each other better. One thing that I kind of always go back to when like comparing Allen with Mahomes right now, Mahomes has a really good offensive line this year. He's got two probably future Hall of Famers in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and then he's got a complete – genius and Andy Reid, who's made Donovan McNabb look like the best quarterback in the NFL at points in his career. So then you go look at Josh and he has pieces. His offensive line has been bad. Um, he just embarrassed the best pass defense in the NFL and the Patriots or second best first, whatever metric you use to kind of skews that without his two and three and Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis. Like he just made Isaiah McKenzie look like a pro bowler. Uh, and to a point where Patriots fans were screaming, who the heck is number 19? Like, Josh has done more with less, in my opinion, than Patrick Mahomes has has done in the past two years specifically. I, I also kind of brought this up on Twitter this week. There's got to be a point where we can say, and it's acceptable to say, that Josh has surpassed Patrick Mahomes. I think that the debate that always happens when you try to say that is, well, Josh doesn't have an MVP. Well, Josh doesn't have a Super Bowl. It's like, okay, those two things can be true. But when he's outplayed Mahomes now for two years – I'm starting to get to a point where it's like, why can't I say Josh is better than Mahomes? I, and, and frankly, I, I started saying it. So I have Josh as my two in the NFL right now. I think he's the second best quarterback behind Rodgers. Interesting. Ahead of Brady too. Okay. I just think Brady has so much, uh, like so much on that team. And, and uh, look, I, if it came down to a Super Bowl between Brady and Josh, I, I probably have to say as much as it would pain me, say that Brady's 
going to outduel Josh just because of the experience, his knowledge, you know, his skill set in general. But look, he has one of the best offensive lines in football. He's getting pressured, I think, at about 11% of his uh, dropbacks he's pressured. Josh is closer to 25%. Like, it, it's such a drastic difference that Josh literally has to throw the ball on the run more often than not, where Brady can just sit in a, po- a clean pocket. And he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, Antonio Brown, OJ Howard, Rob Gronkowski. Like, his top five below our top five out of the water. Um, it, he just has so much around him right now. It is very amazing to me because of what he was when he was drafted. I was, uh-huh. I was pissed. I was like, we're taking this guy with a, he can't dominate in college. What makes me think yeah. he's going to, where he was, that's not even like comparing who he is today is not. And people I want to, you know, encapsulate all the stats as his career I think that's somewhat misleading because mm-hmm. he's not who he was in his rookie year or even in his second year. He's grown so much, but think about what he can do when he has a run game. That's not a liability. You know, when he can get four yards on a run play up the middle, just to keep the defense honest and keep those linebackers up a little bit. He doesn't have that now, but what we saw this past week was him throwing the ball away. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't tell you how much I love to see that because one of the things that annoys me most about Josh is what he doesn't recognize the blitz. And he runs backward for 20 yards, holding the ball out there with one arm, trying to just get a flick it past the line of scrimmage at the very last moment. And he doesn't, I'm hoping that those days are behind him. Yeah, it's funny you say that. So I go to a Bills bar every single week to watch the game. And when when Josh throws the ball away, we cheer. Like it's an exciting moment when he does that. Because when we know it, it ends up not being a wasted play, right? He, there's no negative yardage associated with that. And two, we trust him to say, okay, I, I might have lost it down because I had to throw the ball away. I can pick up 10 yards on the next play easy. Uh, it's it's when you kind of have those panic moments with Josh, and he still has them, but it's so drastically different than his rookie season where the panic moments were just constant. Like you would see him, his brain was working too fast. He's trying to make a play every time. He knows he doesn't have to do that anymore, so – I mean, he's dropped those plays to a minimum. He might have won a game at this point in his career. Uh, And when he gets rid of those entirely uh, and he starts maybe checking down a little bit more often instead of trying to hit the deep pass, I I mean, he's going to get better. That's the crazy thing. Like like we said before, I don't think he's hit his ceiling. Um, I don't really even know how to say that like without giggling because he's an MVP candidate for the second straight year and he hasn't hit his ceiling. That's 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 crazy. It's incredible. I, yeah, that's true. I, I'm with you there. And we saw like this past week was just you mentioned the Patriots defense. That is a great front four. That's a great pass mm-hmm. defense. We saw him throw the ball away. And he didn't take the big play in every down. He went yeah. and he took what was given to him. And that is blending that second half of 2019 with like the last half of 2020. Put those two together. And, and that's the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, man, that was quite the game to watch. Uh, He, I still say his best game I've ever seen was when he played the 49ers last year, just because he was doing, he literally did every single thing that game himself. Uh, It was, it was crazy to, he was under pressure every single play making incredible passes on the run. And it was very similar to the Patriots game. Those two are probably one A and one B, but this past week against the the Patriots, I, I was just in awe the whole game. And it's crazy to think that it feels like we won that game by 50 points. And there was a point in time where we just, I think it was fourth. We needed a fourth down um, it was in up doubt. by f- five, four points, five points. Yeah. If we don't get that first down, we might lose the game. But, you know, then Josh Deeks out, uh, who was it? JC Jackson made him tackle his own teammate for the first. I, yeah. That's, that's Josh Allen in a nutshell. He just can put the team on his shoulder and win the game himself. So, who is your comp for Josh Allen? What's your closest comp that you have? Oh, like a his. I see the the one I hate that people always do is Brett Favre. I don't like the Brett Favre comp because I don't think he's Brett Favre. Uh, Favre was a just a literally just tried to force the ball every single play because he had a cannon of an arm. But he also mm-hmm. what he throw three hundred interceptions in his career. I don't think Josh will maybe even throw half of that. Um, man, I don't know a comp. It, I have to like combine a couple people like he has the rushing ability of Cam Newton. Um, Like he can drop his shoulder. He can kind of deke a little bit. He's a big guy, I I guess almost like a big Ben. I I guess I'd kind of go with just because he, he does have that strong arm um, and it does have that physicality, but I I really don't think there's a, a single player that you can say 
at least for me, that I can compare him to. And again, I uh, my first football memory was the Music City Miracle, so I can't go back, you know, to the 90s and 80s, like the early 90s and early 80s to, to kind of give you a comp there. I, I, you're going to hate this, but I think he's a blend of Favre and Cam. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I, I See, I don't like the Favre just because of the picks, and, and he was more of a – uh, a boomer bus guy. I don't think that Josh has as much bus, but yeah, I can see the boom nature. It, you know, both cannon arms and and just gunslingers, which he is a gunslinger. Yeah, he'll try to fit it in there, maybe even sometimes when he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And you know, more often than not, lately it seems like he's getting away with those throws. Um, maybe in the first couple of years, well, year year and a half, I guess uh, he wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I still think he's far, but I still think it doesn't necessarily mean he has to have all the interception numbers, but I think the similarities in the game are there. True. True. It's fair. It's fair. Um, and actually I just like, while you were saying that I pulled up Favre's stats quick and the, the three straight years, he won all pro 95 through 97. Um, his touchdowns were right around 40 and his picks were right around 13. So yeah, it, that's incredibly similar. Um, that's also incredibly impressive in the nineties when you couldn't run the ball as well as you can run it, or sorry, you couldn't throw the ball as well as you can throw the ball now. So yeah, the Favre comp, maybe I'll come around to it a little bit more. It's just when I look at his total interceptions and see 336, it makes me gag a little bit. Well, this I'll tell you, and I will, mm-hmm. I haven't bet, but if I was going to bet, I would put some money on this. Josh is going to get a Super Bowl in Buffalo by the time his career is over. He's going to get at least one. I'd put some money on it. Yeah, I yes, absolutely have to. Um, I mean, he is a top – at a minimum, he's a top five quarterback in the league. Like, that can't be debated anymore. I know that there's some fan bases that will debate that. The Patriots fans will probably say that. Dolphins fans will probably say that. Chiefs fans will even say that. They're delusional. He's a top five quarterback, bar none. Um Top five quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Uh, he he has to win a Super Bowl. If he if he goes his entire career without one, then he didn't. He was not a successful quarterback in Buffalo, regardless of how good he's been. He he has to win one, and I don't think that that's all on him. That's a, uh, mostly on the team around him. But at some point in time, superstar quarterbacks will their teams to win championships, and and I fully expect him to do just that. Well. You mentioned Donovan McNabb earlier. There's Matt Stafford happening right now. I think the difference between those guys might be coaching. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's not maybe Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb's not a great example there. But, um, you know, I I think the difference, if he was on like a, if McDermott was in that top echelon of coaches, like a top three, I think we'd be talking about multiple. But McDermott, I think, is is a top 10. So I think he still gets one somehow. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I love Sean McDermott. Yeah, he's he's a, he's in the top ten for sure. I'd have to go through to see how high I'd put him, but yeah, he's not a top. I wouldn't put him as a top three quarterback. He still has his like weird little quirks sometimes that I don't understand. Um, but he's he's sufficient, and he, what he's done in Buffalo is incredibly impressive to literally break the drought and then now assuming the bills do what they're supposed to do the next two games, you know, you're making the playoffs for what is it? What would it be four out of your first five years as a head coach? That's, that's impressive for a team that couldn't do it for nearly two decades. Yeah. It's, you know, if you want to like make a, a regular business uh, parallel there, like it's like being the manager at like a really shitty, you know, machine shop or something where mm. it's just the morale's low and, you know, nobody really cares. And then turning that into like this ultra producing, you know, state of the art kind of place where everybody wants to work. And that that's kind of what he's done. He's made it, he's put it on the map. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. All right. Hansel, you got anything else for me? No, I, this was a pleasure. I, I know that it started with where is Aaron Rodgers going to go next year? And, you know, we went through a bunch of different topics and ended with Sean McDermott and how, how we think of him as a coach. But no, I loved it. I loved the conversation. I Like I said before, we kind of started recording here is uh, I will take any opportunity to talk about Bill's football. I enjoy it. Um, it's fun. And it's fun to talk to people that seem to be as passionate as I am about it. So So thank you for having me here. Yeah, no problem. It was uh, it was a pleasure getting you on for the first time. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say that I'll, I'll try to have you invite you on again, but I don't think that's the case. Is that next week will be my last episode. So gotcha. but thank you so much for stepping up when, and, uh, you know, 
carrying my lazy ass this week. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. All right, Hansel, go Bills. Go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention. Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. Ah! It's over. Go home. Go.